If you don't like money, shut the fuck up. Money, money. That's what I thought, nigga. Everybody like money. Money, money. Moolah, moolah. Money, money. Moolah, moolah. Money, money. Paper, cheeks. Thinking of a master plan. Cause ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands So I dig into my pockets, all my money is spent So I dig deeper, but still coming up with lint So I start my mission, leave my residence I'm thinking how can I get some dead presidents I need money, I used to see a stick up kid So I think of all the devious things I did I used to roll up Yeah, that's Mr. Snoop Dogg bringing us in Thought about a student alt-rock band or something But you know how it is um, Hope you guys are all... Uh, thinking about making some money hopefully your pockets aren't uh, you know loaded with lint and all that but this is you know it's it's a compelling week because we've been through so much like the last couple weeks as pete davidson by the way wrote about podcast saturday so it's dfs yada 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 um but th- this is you know a, a fun slate to some extent um, it's it's interesting. We talked about this last week that it's it's important to sort of go the extra mile on some of these slates that are ugly because you got to find every scrap that that is actually you know plus EV out there. Um, on a week like this, I mean, you know, now I'm just sort of sounding like I'm making you guys work hard because I'm going to say it again. It's important to work hard in a week like this too because we really need to separate the A plus from the A and the B plus from the B and all of that. Uh, the lines, uh, the margins are going to be shorter this year, bet- uh, excuse me, this week between our choices. There's, there's going to be a lot you want to put in your lineup, okay? So the FOMO factor is really going to be significant this week. If you if you set your lineups and then you stare around at all the choices you didn't make, you will probably go insane. Um, so it's a really good week. And again, look, I do say this all the time, but it's a really good week to do as much of your legwork as you can before you actually get into lineup construction because lineup construction is going to feel pretty easy uh, at least if your standards are just I want to feel good about this Um, so again try to get a feel for the whole board before you start locking stuff in because it's easy to look at 25% of the slate and find stuff that's really going to look pretty good to you Um, you know it reminds me of that old line from um, what the hell movie is it I think it's um, Independence Day you know, they, NASA says they've got like a, you know, $2 million budget or something like that. It, it allows them to watch like 4% of the sky or something like that. And it's a big ass sky. It's, it, you don't want to be that this week. You don't want to be looking at 4% of the sky. You need to try to see it all. Um, I really think that's going to help. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's always going to help to do more gathering of information. Um, but I also think it's just going to help from a, a, a tilting standpoint because you're going to know what you like, what you don't like, but most importantly, what do you like the most? This is a week you really got to make sure you're playing what you like the most. Um, speaking of things I like, we talked last week, uh, I, I talked last week about um, just the fact that I was really happy um, that so many, sorry, put my drink down there, I forgot, uh, my mic is coupled uh, to the table, sorry about that. Um, but I talked last week about how it was really cool that on the podcast, um, the Waiver Wire podcast, we didn't lose anybody, really. A very few people, a, a small percentage um, from our last regular season week to our first playoff week. Uh, and I was hoping we wouldn't lose many people going from the wild card round to the final four round. 
and we really didn't. Um, there were, I think, 20 fewer total listeners uh, on this week's waiver wire pod. So uh, obviously, on some level, it's an indication that some of you folks have multiple teams like me, uh, which is great. Um, but also, it's an indication that a lot of people are still alive, and we love that. Uh, it means that the materials have uh, been doing well. It means that you guys have been uh, out kicking uh, the rankings, which is great. Um, and uh, it, it, it's just good to know that we still have so many folks using the site. Um, one of the tough things for me at the end of the season is when the sites, you know, when the traffic dies as fantasy dies. It's, uh, it's not fun. Uh, and it's nice to know that so many of you folks uh, are around for, for such a, you know, a big portion of the ride. Uh, hopefully we've got a lot of people next week. That is really going to be the major one. If we've got the kind of traffic on the waiver wire next week that we've had this week, I, I think we're going to be partying. And I, I you know, and, and for Rotobon, I think the donations will be coming in, which is nice. We had another strong week. Thank you to all the people who donated. Um, uh, one quick word. I, I, I'm noticing that uh, we have a couple more uh, dollar a month donors. And I, I mentioned to you guys that, you know, I find it very special that you guys choose to do it that way. Uh, but one thing, and I'm just noticing this, is that basically we're funding PayPal when we do it that way. We're losing like 35% of that monthly dollar that you guys are dropping uh, with them. So it's, you know, it's totally cool that you guys do it that way, but we are basically funding PayPal. They're getting a huge percentage of the cut. Um, you folks might just want to drop 12 bucks a year just so you're doing more help to us and less help to PayPal. But you know what? I'm just pointing that out. Whatever you guys want to do is cool with me. Um, but most important thing is to all the people who have actually gone out of their way uh, to send in a donation to support the site, really appreciate you. Appreciate that you appreciate what we're doing here. Um, and hopefully um, as some more of you end your season, hopefully next week, not this week, uh, you will choose to contribute as well because it's going to make the site you know, viable um, into the future. And I really... Um, uh, and again, uh, one last time, I'd like to thank those of you who sent me notes last year when I was sick. It was very nice of you. Um, and, you know, it was more than one or two people. And uh, I just want to say, I, I really do appreciate that. It helped me a lot last spring. Um, and the good news is that I'm like 100% healthy. There's been no problems. I'm good. So, um, you know, we're not going to have me working at 50% uh, in January uh, and February uh, really, in March and uh, April as well. Uh, I fully intend on doing the full rookie thing this year. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of people are like, wait a minute, there was rookie content last year. Trust me, it's going to be better this year. It's just there's going to be more of it. Um, and we're going to have rookie podcasts this this year. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of different ways of doing the rookie podcast, but uh, it's going to be good stuff. You, you've got my word on it. Uh, for those of you who do Dynasty, for those of you who are into evaluating rookies, um, it's going to be good. Trust me. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the rookie material that we do, go on the site. Um, just go just go up to the right corner, do a, a Google, uh, a, a Rotobond search, excuse me, uh, on rookies. Put in pre-combine, pre-draft, rookies, that kind of thing. You'll find a bunch of articles and uh, you can see what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm doing this podcast now. I actually wanted to do it around 5, but I'm unfortunately... Uh, I'm going to have some stuff going on, holidays, you know, there's a lot of family stuff going on. Uh, so I need to do the podcast now, but rather than speculate, I'm going to basically, well, I am going to promise you guys, I'm going to do a Sunday pod as well. Um, and it's, I don't know what it's going to be. I think it's just going to be where lineups 
where lineup construction sort of took me because uh, I'm not going to get into lineup construction until after I do the lineup rankings update tonight. Um, hopefully I'm going to be able to spend two, three hours before I go to bed making lineups, finding out what I want to do with all this information, all these players that we like. Um, and then tomorrow morning what I'm going to do is just sort of share with you guys um, you know, and I know that you guys aren't like on pins and needles going, what's Pete going to do? I, I get that, all right? Um, but, you know, I feel like full disclosure, and I know some people are interested in what I choose to do. Um, so I'm going to just, you know, go out with that. I'll give you guys an indication of, you know, what my tap, my tight cash list is going to be. Um, and then additionally, what, you know, I'll go through probably the two or three stacks that I like the most, uh, explain my thinking on them and, and stuff like that. Nothing major, probably a... 15 to 20 minute discussion. Uh, it'll go up probably around 10.30. I'll record it right after I'm done with the fantasy football hour. Figure 20 minutes to put it together once I'm done recording. Uh, probably it's up between 10.15 and 10.45 would be my guess. Uh, and it'll be a quick listen. So you'll be able to like, you know, 15, 20 minutes tops and you'll be back into your lineup construction. So that's going to be there if you want it. Uh, but right now what we're going to do here is I'm basically going to do a game by game slate walk basically just go through all the stuff that I like, um, get into some of the things that I'm not liking as much, uh, and hopefully that gives you guys just, you know, a nice feel for the slate as a whole, uh, and you guys can uh, roll up your sleeves and get into your lineup construction. Um, so let's do it. Let's, uh, let's get into the slate. We'll start with the 1 p.m.s, uh, finish with the 4 p.m.s. First game up on the docket is New England at Cincinnati. Obviously, we have ourselves a bit of a mismatch here. Um, on the New England side, wow, you know, what do you really trust over there? I, I'm not, I mean, look, you want to like get into some Sony Michelle, TD Equity, you can do that. Uh, I'd be more likely to pull something like that on FanDuel. Uh, I think if I'm going to use a running back here, it's going to be James White at 54. Uh, basically for the floor, he has been providing most of the year. Um, and though the touchdowns have been few and far between, we know that he's capable of dropping them in bunches. Um, so James White, I think, has applications for both GPP and for cash, though I don't think he's a must-use in either one. Um, Edelman, I think, is clearly an option every week based on the usage. We've been talking about this for weeks now. He hasn't had a bad target game in a long, long time. Uh, he's going to be playing a beatable defense. Uh, you know, I think, you, you know, ideally you want to throw against the Bengals. Uh, at some point, the Patriots will probably be running this game away, but it probably won't be t till late. As I mentioned, uh, when I was taught, I think it was when I wrote up Brady in the quarterbacks, you know, the, the Patriots are not a team that, like, plays two ways based on the score. They tend to just crush teams. Um, and when they're playing poor offensively, I don't think they're going to play... I don't think Belichick's goal is to play offense until they don't need to play it anymore. I think his goal is to play the best offense they can play and to get the damn thing clicking. So, you know, whereas some teams will go to the run when they get up three scores, the Patriots conceivably could just go to the pass even more for all we know because I think what they really want to do is get a rhythm going and they need reps. They need some of these younger receivers to get more reps. So I think they're going to continue to throw. Now, Will they put Brady in a dangerous situation? Will be will Brady be taking a lot of deep drops uh, in the second, you know, in the fourth quarter if they're up multiple scores? No, I don't think he will. I think it'll be a lot more of the rhythm passing, um, safer stuff. I don't think they're going to expose him to any big hits when it doesn't need to happen. Uh, but you know, the Patriots control the ball with short passes as well as they control it with the run, and I think it's something that that they want to continue to grind on because they haven't got it yet. I think that's something we've all 
you know, seen. Uh, so I feel okay with the Patriots, you know, uh, you know, passing the ball for most of this game, even though they're heavily favored. Uh, you know, a Brady start doesn't scare me. Uh, I'm I'm using him in seasonal. I just I'm not sure I see enough ceiling. Um, you know, GPP a little bit here and there. I, hey, go for it. But uh, not something I'm going to be leaning in on. Um, now, you know, there's really nothing else on the Patriots side I really want to get involved with. Um, the defense at 4K may be the best play on the slate. I may end up using a lot of them. The obvious thing is 4K is a big number. Uh, there are some defenses that I don't hate under 3K. So paying up to 4K is something that's going to really be case by case. Anytime I can find a way to do it where I am happy with my team overall, I'm going to do it. Uh, but I'm not going to put a crappy lineup out there just to get the 4K for the Patriots. So it's really going to be a horses for courses thing. It'll probably have a lot to do with what stack I'm building on. Um, and, you know, whether I can get to them in cash, I don't know yet. Um, and it's probably worth noting that the Bengals at 1,800, you know, they can rush the pass for a little bit. Brady's immobile. I think the Patriots are going to run a fair amount. So, you know, you know, getting basically, I mean, look, you're paying 2,200 less. The Patriots are more than double what you're paying uh, for the Bengals. Now, you know, $2,200, you know, that takes you a long way in the running back wide receiver scale. Okay, so, you know, I don't, I'm not going to be using a ton of Bengals, but if I've got a lineup that's just nuts that I just love, and the only thing I need to do to make it work is to go down to 1800 for the Bengals, I, I'm all right with that. I think, you know, I think their, their ability to pressure, you know, I, you know, and Brady will take a sack here and there, you know, you're probably looking at four or five points if you're lucky. Um, well, if you're lucky, though make a big play or something but you know it's not something where you're going to get a lot of scoring out of it but you'll get you know a couple points uh and uh obviously it is extremely liberating in terms of the salary cap uh the only bengal i'm personally looking at is mixon and i don't really the only way i'm probably using mixon is if i do some type of patriot stack with brady don't know if i'm going to do that um moving down to the next game tampa at detroit uh, Detroit, I think, because you're, you know, you've got Jameis will throw picks at his best, and he's going to be playing with a bad thumb, with a slightly downgraded, uh, well, slightly, a, a significantly downgraded supporting cast. We lose Mike Evans for crying out loud. Uh, he's going to be on the road at Detroit, a defense that, you know, yeah, they're mediocre. That's true, uh, but they've got a good defensive mind. You never know; they, they may be able to confuse Jameis. It doesn't take a ton to do it. So, uh, you know. As a cost-saving 2,300-unit defense, I think at home, uh, Detroit, not too bad. And, and really, they have to win on the defensive side of the ball. They're not going to be winning on the offensive side of the ball. So um, as a cost-saver, I think they're worth considering. Don't know that I'm actually going to use them. It'll really it'll be you know lineup construction dependent, if you will. The things we like about this game for the defense, um, it's going to be a fast-paced game based on what we've seen lately. Okay, Detroit can't go to the run, really, in this game. Uh, you know, you get Scarborough banged up. Everybody's banged up. Uh, you know, so this is a game that may feature more passing than we're accustomed to. Um, and, you know, uh, with Jameis, they tend to play fast on the other side. Thorman has this game as up pace um, in his rankings. Um, so that gives a little bit more, you know, when you're looking at a cheap defense, it's going to be in a fast game, gives you a little bit more hope. Um, obviously, we also have hope when it comes to, like, Kenny Galladay, who may be chasing in a fast-paced game. 
Uh, I'm more than willing to pay the 7200 for a guy who basically is unopposed from a target perspective. I mean, remember, we've got Marvin Jones out. We've got TJ Hawkinson out. These guys are on IR. Uh, Galladay is basically where he was at the end of last year. Uh, the difference is we have a matchup this time. I mean, Galladay was in some mediocre matchups when he was basically unopposed for targets at the end of last year. This year we've got him in a pass funnel game, right? So, you know, I, I think Galladay is worth looking at. Um, you know, might be a little pricey for cash, but I'm not going to rule him out. Uh, and uh, I think in GPPs, I, I, you know, I, I think I'm going to probably have 20-30% exposure to Galladay. So uh, just putting that out there. Um, and let's you know, remember, Detroit's a home dog. You know, they, they could be throwing a lot here. Uh, and, you know, Blau or no Blau, whatever you think of Blau, um, you know, he's shown an ability to deliver a football. He, you know, there will be some passing stats to be had in this game, even though we don't really like him. Um, on the other side, I like Godwin, um, although probably not going to go too crazy on it, but I'm definitely going to have some exposure. I'm not really getting into the Jameis thing. I, I, I don't want a quarterback with a thumb problem. I, 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 there's just too many good ways to play this week. There'll probably be some sharp DFS minds who uh, maybe, based on ownership or something, want to go to Jameis while everyone else is going away from him. I, <laughs> Uh, okay, I mean maybe. Um, I you know obviously the volume tends to be there, um, but you know if Patricia just happens to get saucy, he hasn't done it a lot. But if he happens to go Belichickian this week, take Godwin off the table, force them to OJ Howard and the underneath stuff, uh, you give a pretty you know you could have a letdown day. So um, I'm I'm not going to be on Jameis. Not going to be on Jameis. Um, not saying the people who are on him are stupid or anything like that. Um, you know. Uh, the, the one thing, I, I mentioned it, but, you know, O.J. Howard in this game, you know, I understand all the reasons why we're not going to play him. I get them all. But he's reemerged the last couple weeks. His 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 usage is up. Uh, I watched last week's game. I Howard looked good out there. I, I, I'm struggling for why Bruce Arians has, has been so hard on the guy, other than we know Arians sometimes is hardest on the guys he sees the most potential in and I think OJ Howard and R Ronald Jones both sort of fit into that category we've talked about that a lot over the course of the year with Rojo um, so you know in, in a GPP this week um, you know when we're looking at you know an OJ Howard that we can get at 3,500 units uh, I think there's some merit to OJ Howard exposure just not even attached to anything um, not stacked just just as your tight end now there's other options I sort of like more this week, so my exposure will be limited. But I, I definitely want to taste O.J. Howard in GPPs this week. Uh, I'm not sure if I have the guts to do it in seasonal because most of my O.J. teams, I've added Higby, and Higby's just right now with uh, Everett out. He's a really strong play. Um, so uh, anything else in this game? Nah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, obviously, you could get into playing Tampa backs if you really are feeling gutsy. I've got other plays I like more. Um, Bears at Green Bay. Uh, I think the Green Bay defense is in play here um, at 3K against Trubisky. If Trub you know Trubisky can face plant, we know that. And if it happens, it can be you know a, a defensive scoring bonanza. So uh, I certainly think 3K is a pretty low price for most of the defenses I like this week. Um, so Green Bay, I think, is in play. Um, on the Green Bay side, everything's priced up. 
Um, you know, I don't know how much I want to get involved with Aaron Jones against this defense at his price. Jamal Williams at 4,200, he lacks ceiling, so I'm not going to do it, but it's a pretty good number. Um, on the other side, A-Rob at 6,800, I think is probably the guy I'm going to play. Uh, Montgomery's viable. Uh, it could be just personal bias, but I just don't trust the guy. Um, nor do I trust Nagy to do what I want him to do. For all, I, for all I know, they go in and go heavy Cohen. I just don't want to play that game this week. Um, so that's probably, and, and, you know, I don't like Miller's matchup as much this week. Uh, and his price has come up a little bit. Um, you know, just when I start, like, you know, I'm doing well with a guy. I'm using him week to week. Boom, he goes up over 5K. Um, uh, but, you know, if you like Miller this week, it's not crazy. Um that's pretty much it for this this game. There's you know there's really two or three games on the slate that I'm into, and we'll get to them. Um, actually, going to get to one right now. Uh, Texans at the Titans. So really, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this game. Uh, if you read my article on EEI today, um, you will know that uh, I'm I'm stacking around this game as uh, one of the you know one of the stacking situations I really like. Uh, Deshaun Watson is my GPP quarterback this week. Um, look, you're looking at the highest projected game total. Uh, you're looking at two teams that both are over 24 points, so we've got the ability for a shootout here. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien likes to run, as I say in the article, but the Titans' defense is so beatable by the pass right now, he would have to be blind not to see that. Um, and then, you know, you, you, we, you know, again, we want the shootout. We want a game that's set up with shootout conditions well, uh, the Titans like to run too, but if you're not throwing against the Texans, you're just doing it wrong. So this game just feels like it could go the way we want it to go. I want to be involved for that reason. Um, you know, definitely like Deshaun. Uh, I'm on Nuke as the stack. I know Fuller is important here um, when we look at the analytics, right? The analytics say that when Fuller plays, Watson's point scoring goes up, Nuke's targets go down, Um and, you know, I, I think a lot of people will fade Nuke because of that. And, you know, I, I don't think it's stupid, um, but I'm going to let my gut into this a little bit, okay? Let's look at the, what, what's going on in this game, right? This is an important football game. I mean, we've got both teams at 8-5. and five. Um, The team that wins this game is going to be atop the division. So, you know, <laughs> you know, the... It's one thing to have something that you do during the regular season that you you know we're going to keep teams off balance. We're going to spread the ball around. You know we're not gonna we're not gonna let the quarterback get stuck on nuke because it's easy to do. There's a lot of reasons why that they spread the ball around. There's a lot of reasons why Hopkins gets you know obviously a ton of targets when Fuller is out. But let's really look at this game for a second, right? First of all, nuke's healthy and Fuller is being pushed to play. So if there's ever a time where Fuller would be used as a decoy, it's going to be in a game like this. Again, both teams 8-5. and five. The winner's in first place. So if you've got Fuller able to practice on a limited basis, and you know the trainers are saying, well, you know he can run, he just can't really cut the thing loose. Well, you put him out there. You know, even if, you know, even if it's just for the, for the extent of time where you can convince the other team he's a threat, maybe at some point... The other corners start going to the D.C. This guy can't pull away from me today. Things, you know, things happen on a football field. But to me, if this were like week eight, 
or week six or whatever, I think Fuller probably isn't playing. I think the fact that they're pushing him to play, if it doesn't have something, it certainly could have something to do with the magnitude of the game and the fact that, I mean, Houston needs to win this freaking football game. Bill O'Brien needs to win this football game. I know that he's got a little bit of a posh set up and they've let him sort of go his own way, but if this team flops down the stretch for some reason, I, I don't think he's safe. Um, so I think this is a all-hands-on-deck game for both teams. And from Houston's perspective, I don't think they try to protect Deshaun Watson in this game. I think it's, hey, Deshaun, you do whatever the heck you need to win this football game. Uh, and I think from a roster management standpoint, Fuller fits into that category too. Now, can Fuller make big plays in this game? Sure. I, I'm, you know, obviously I'm taking guesses here at his condition. We may find out after the game starts that Fuller is ready and he's going to be drawing coverage. But even in that scenario, first of all, that's fine for Watson. It's not going to hurt him. Nuke is going to be important in this game. I do not think, even in the games where Nuke's targets were down, it was not a situation where they're like, hey, we need to use Fuller more and Nuke less. I think it was, hey, this is, a, this is a chance for us to spread the ball around and to make defenses play us more honestly. And I think you do that because in games like this, you want to be able to hammer your best player. Okay, a little bit too much on the narrative stuff there, a little bit too much on the touchy-feely. I get that. But I just think sometimes when the chips are down, like there's a reason in the NFL that we want the desperate team, that we want to, like when you're betting and you're looking at, you know, which team's going to cover and stuff, we want to know which team really needs this game. It's one of the things that like big bettors look at, right? And there's a reason for it, okay? This game is going to be balls to the wall for both coaching staffs. Uh, and to me, that means a lot in terms of how are they going to deploy Watson. I mean, could Billy O'Brien come out and say, yeah, we're going to control the game with Carlos Hyde? Yeah, I mean, he could. I'm going to bet against that pretty strongly. Um, I do think Hyde will have a role. Derrick Henry is going to be a big part of this game. And if Henry, that would be the one way this game goes bad for us, would be if Henry just crushes from the drop and and his running allows the game to shorten a little bit. But even in that scenario, Watson's going to be coming at them like a, like, you know, like a Tasmanian devil trying to get back into the game like we saw last week where he ended up putting up a huge score with a really bad start to the game. So I just, the game's too important to me and to the Texans, <laughs> really not to me, but to the Texans, I just feel like this is not going to be a game where teams are going to play it safe or feel each other out. Uh, they're going to try to play optimally from the drop, uh, and I think it, it, it should work for all of us. And I think the Vegas, uh, you know, 24 to 27, uh, when I finalized this, 24 implied total for the Texans, 27 uh, for the Titans. Basically, the Titans are getting three points for being home. This game's a toss-up. Um, so we've got that ability for this thing to sort of get synergistic, right? So this is, this is you know, of all the games on the slate, this is the one I want to be involved in the most. Um, now, I'm using Watson as my QB, not Tannehill. Um, I'm willing to pay up for the foot points. I'm willing to pay up for the team who I think is more likely to rely on the pass most of the game. Um, and obviously Watson's just a better player. Uh, there's more scoring that goes on around him, and he's more tapped in to what his team's going to do. Like when 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 the Titans go to the ground, Tannehill's off. When the Texans go to the ground, 
it might be Watson. So, you know, that's a factor. Um, so um, Watson Nuke is going to be my stack, I think, in most of my GPP teams that have Watson. Uh, and then I'm going to be bringing A.J. Brown back as a correlation piece. Uh, now, I may choose to mix that up a little bit, use Henry, but Henry's price is tough. It's gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose some other options by going to Henry, so I'm going to be fairly judicious about how I use Henry. What I may do is not use Henry in these stacks, or maybe just use him in a couple, and then maybe, as a way to fade this game, do some Henry teams. Where Henry with no Watson, with no correlation piece, where just a couple of teams where I'm playing the angle that Henry takes this game over and sort of ruins it for everybody else. Um, you know, that's sort of a hedge play, obviously. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at with this game. You know, a, a little bit of Wolf Fuller I'm fine with in a GPP. I'm staying away from the Texans' backs. Um, and I'm not looking really at any of the secondary options uh, on the Titans. The one exception would be in a GPP if you wanted to. I think Johnny Smith uh, as a dart throw in a GPP has some merit. Okay, let's drop down to Denver at Kansas City. Uh, here's another game where I think the defenses are a little bit in play. More, more Kansas City's at 3,500 units uh, going against Locke, the, you know, the rookie quarterback. Uh, and look, everybody's singing Locke's praises. I'm dancing the jig because I've got some dynasty shares that really needed some life <laughs> breathed into them. So I've loved the fact that Locke has you know, put up some numbers over the last week. But let's not kid ourselves. This is an imperfect quarterback on the road in a tough place to play in a game environment where his team should be trailing by more than a touchdown, okay? Drew Locke throwing like three or four picks and a pick six in this game. You know, if you're surprised by that, you're not paying attention. So uh, I think the KC defense, some exposure in GPPs makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, you know, basically fading Drew Locke makes some sense. Now, on the other side of that, Locke can create some defensive scoring, but he's good for his guys because he's aggressive, he's got a strong arm, he can make downfield throws. So with Cortland Sutton sitting there at 5,900 units, that feels like a light number to me. I feel like he should be more like up around, you know, I, I feel like that's a $600 discount. Uh, so I definitely want some exposure to Sutton, probably just GPP exposure, but I like exposure to him this week. I think Fant is another way to go because Fant is a guy who can create big plays. Obviously, we need to follow the condition. He's got multiple injuries. They're both minor, but we want to keep our head on a swivel with Fant. Uh, and then Lindsey, when we look at Freeman's injuries, when we look at, you know, the Broncos being a dog, Broncos have defensive line problems. They are very, well, unless they're out of their minds, they're going to be very concerned about their defense getting gassed in this game. So trying to control the game with Lindsey makes all the sense in the world. It protects your young, inexperienced quarterback, might set up some downfield action, uh, and bleeds the clock. So, you know, I'd be surprised if Denver didn't come in with a Lindsey mindset in this game. Um... Now, the fact that he doesn't catch a lot of passes makes him a little bit risky. I wouldn't go like putting Lindsay in every single lineup, but I think some Lindsay exposure makes sense this week because if he hits, this could be one of those games where he goes over 100 yards and scores multiple touchdowns. Uh, he's got the potential to do it in this matchup. Uh, he also has the potential for 15 carries for 47 yards. Okay? And, you know, add that up on DK and see what you get. So be careful. Don't. Don't go nuts on Lindsey, but I think he is a pretty good play this week. I think the, I, I would I would say better than 50-50 that he pays off at that number. Um, 
moving over to the other side, I like Mahomes, but I don't want to go too crazy because, like I said, this game could get shorter than we think. It's a divisional game. You know, there are reasons why this game might underperform on the whole. Obviously, Vegas has it uh, as an oblong uh, game where KC could be in control. Now, obviously, KC doesn't have a lot of running backs, and they don't. And you know, if Damian Williams is healthy, I think the last thing they want to do to him is like give him game-killing carries. So if they did get into that area, it would probably be where is the is what I'm going to guess. Um, so you know, I like Damian Williams if he's starting as a GPP. Uh, go against the field kind of play, but that's it when it comes to their running backs. I don't want to touch any of the others. Um, I like Hill in a GPP. Uh, Kelsey's always in play, uh, but that's about it. I would say from this game, th- th- those are the guys I'm interested in. Um, you know, mostly Sutton, Lindsey, Fant, Mahomes, Hill, uh, Kelsey, and you know, maybe a little sprinkling of Damian Williams in a GPP. I don't know how much exposure I'll have to anyone in this game, to be honest. Uh, Lindsey may be the guy I have most exposure to. Um, Although Damian Williams, you know, if he's announced as the starter, uh, I will perk my ears up a little bit. Uh, and now for a, uh, yeah, it's an interesting game. Um, and I've already sort of stuck my neck out uh, on this on uh, Thursday, so this won't come as a shock to you. But this is an important game to pay attention to uh, as we lead up to lineup lock because we've got a lot of moving parts here. Devontae Parker is a huge piece in this game. Uh, from a couple angles. First of all, if he plays, the Dolphins are better. If the Dolphins are better, the game's going to be closer. There's going to be more points. The Giants will be unlikely to go to the ground to close out the game. So we really want Parker to play for everybody involved in the game. He's he's going to help. Now, the only people he won't help are Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but, you know, if you're playing... Slayton or Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate. Now, Tate's 5900 I don't know why they priced him up so much, so I'm not going to have any Tate just because of that price. Um, but Sterling Shepard's in play at 54 Slayton obviously in play at 47 I don't know what the fuck DraftKings was thinking with that number, but you know, to me, Slayton is worth at least 800 more than that. Um, Barkley is in play for me at 7700 He will probably be one of my four most owned running backs on this slate. And Eli Manning. I mean, everybody wants to put Eli in their lineup, right? Look, he's playing the Dolphins. There's no reason the Giants... I mean, look, if you're the Giants and Eli's having a good day, are you going to go to the ground to close the game out? I'm thinking if Eli's having a big day, Giant Manning's going to be like, this might be his last start at home. It will be his last start at home in a Giant uniform, right? Um, now I'm going to have to look this up to confirm, but I don't think the Giants have another... Uh, home game. I could be wrong, but I don't think they have another home game. Um, so, you know, this is a big deal um, for the Giants and for Eli Manning. I mean, you know, you know Eli catches a lot of flack, um, but, you know, okay, actually, I'm sorry, they are home versus the Eagles week 17. So maybe, maybe Eli gets another home game, but, you know, Daniel Jones may be starting that game because Jones was at practice this week. So this is probably, probably going to be Eli's last home start. Um, and to me, if I'm the Giants, and the Giants are this kind of organization where, if, you know, if the Giants are up 28 to 14 going into the fourth quarter, I think they'll let Eli throw another touchdown pass. I really do. Um, so I think Eli's in a good position in a game where he should be competitive. They're home against one of the softest defenses you're ever going to see. Um, and he's at 5,200 on a week where, you know, that the savings... You know, Eli could be a way to get to Dallas. Like you do an Eli, Barkley, Slayton stack. Uh, excuse me, get to the Patriots defense. There's a lot of things um, 
that that could help us do. So I think Eli's a guy you really want to consider this week. Look, if you don't have the stomach for it, I get it. No problem. Uh, the giant defense of 2,700 units, by the way, is one of the better pay-down options out there, particularly if Parker's not playing. Now, back to Miami for a second. If Parker plays, I like him at 6,400 units. That's easy. If he does not play, I'm going to bypass Hearns in that scenario, save another 1000 bucks, and play Isaiah Ford, who looked really good against the Jets. I mean... You know, I did look like the next Randy Moss or something, but he looked very effective. Uh, Fitzpatrick looked very comfortable throwing him the football. He put up over 90 yards, got a ton of targets. So Isaiah Ford at 3,700 units. I'm sort of committed to playing either Parker or Ford. Now, obviously, that's an odd pivot. So, you know, lineup construction-wise, I'm probably going to come up with, like, an all lineup. So I'm going to have a Parker lineup, and if I have to go to uh, to Isaiah Ford, then I'll pivot to, you know, X receiver uh, with the savings. I don't know who that's going to be yet. Um, I mentioned the name there by accident. Now I'll mention it on purpose. Uh, Mr. Laird. <laughs> Our Lairdness, whatever the hell you want to call him. Whatever the hell. Ooh, got myself in some trouble there, I think. Um, look, the guys are 4,500 units. I don't know how much I trust to put him in my lineup. But, look, we've seen that the Dolphins don't really care who the best running back in the team is. They sort of pick a guy and go with them. They were running Balage heavy, even though he looked like a high school player. So, the 80% of the juice that Laird got last week, there's a really good chance he's going to get that again. And at 4,500 units on a, on, a, on a site that rewards pass catching like DK, look, he's a very viable player. You know, if you were doing a game stack, um, I would bet on the Giants. So I think, you know, an Eli Barkley Slayton stack where you bring back Laird and Isaiah Ford and you could leave Barkley out of the mix and now you basically have, like, tons of money and a game stack that's dirt cheap that really could hit. Uh, there are ways to leverage this game. So I would, you know, even if you're sitting there going, wow, what is Pete smoking today? Um, <laughs> it's always a legitimate question, but... Here's what I would encourage you to do. Mess around with this game a little bit. Come up with the construction that think makes the most sense to you. Look at it. Then look at all the money you have to spend. Put your put the best players in you can fit. Look at that lineup and at least consider it. Yeah, you might just delete it, but I think it's something that's worth looking at. Okay. Not going to hurt you on that anymore. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, next game up, Eagles at the Washington team <laughs> almost said it um look there's so much not to like about this game the implied point totals are low vegas doesn't like it thorman thinks it's going to be a slog fest really slow uh obviously you've got a bad quarterback on one side and a quarterback who's not playing at the top of his game on the other that's wentz i'm talking about obviously in addition to not really being at the top of his game wentz doesn't have anybody to throw to that's at the top of their game with the exception of Ertz. Uh, now, Ertz is a great play on this slate. He's cheaper than the other two elite tight ends, and his usage fits DK to a T. So Ertz at 6K, if you can now, and by the way, that stack we were just talking about will allow you to play Ertz easily. So that's one angle, okay? Um, now, Ertz is a guy, I don't want to stack Ertz. I don't really want to play Wentz at 6,200. I mean, why Wentz isn't at like 55 is beyond me. Um, I mean, I think Wentz is a reasonable play this week. I'm going to have to use him in some really important seasonal uh, games. But on DK, like, why is he at 62? That, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, again, in a slow game, 
where he just doesn't have a lot of weapons. Now, to those not a lot of weapons. Uh, now, I talked to Martin Frank, who uh, covers the Eagles. Martin told me that J-Jaw, he's got no injury concerns whatsoever. Um, and when I told him that that hamstring pull at the end of the week looked like a cramp, Martin indicated to me that the team thought it was a cramp as well. So maybe J-Jaw just cramped at the end of that game. And for what it's worth, that would explain, for those of you who saw him coming off the field, he was clearly in pain. Now, I make a bad habit about talking about my injuries when it comes to like comparing them to NFL injuries. I know that there's an eye roll factor with that. So for those of you who are rolling your eyes, I'm not taking it personally. But, you know, I'm a pretty serious volleyball player and I used to play tournaments, beach tournaments, grass tournaments, where you would start playing at 8 a.m. and you weren't done until 4 in the afternoon. Now, I don't do that now because my legs would explode. I'm just too old. But back in the day, the thing that you really had to fight in those tournaments were cramps. Calf cramps were the worst, but occasionally you would get hamstring cramps as well. Now, the reason I'm giving you this long-winded thing, the thing about hamstring cramps, they hurt like crazy, okay? Like, I literally had a teammate, like, pushing my knee down to keep my leg straight because I had, like, tears in my eyes from this hamstring cramp. I had never really had a bad one before, and it's like... The pain is bad, okay? So I'm just, the reason I'm bringing that up is that would explain why Whiteside was, you know, showing so much of the pain because he was in the midst of a cramp. It's possible that if we'd followed him to the sideline, we would have seen them straightening that leg out. Um, so why am I long wind winding this? Because the guy's 3,300 units, and if he has no injury distinction, look... We've got Greg Ward at 3K, running unopposed on one side of the field. We've got Whiteside at 3,300, running unopposed on the other. If Aguilar doesn't play, they're basically out of receivers. It's going to be these two guys and the two tight ends, and whoever's playing running back, which, by the way, is very open-ended after Boston Scott looked better than Miles Sanders last week, right? So there are some ways you can sort of create some blocks in this game if you want to go that way. I don't know how much of it I'm going to do. This is one of the reasons I want to do another sort of bonus pod tomorrow morning because I'm going to mess around with this and that giant situation as well. There's a couple ways we could look at playing this, right? We could do an Ertz GPP, an Award GPP, and a, and a JJAW GPP. We could, and now this is getting a little out there, I'll admit, but in a small field tournament, if you did a block where you played Ward and J-Jaw, now it's risky for obvious reasons, but think about the money you just freed up. Your wide receivers add up. Two, you got three wide receivers to fit in. Two of them add up to 6,300. <laughs> that means you could basically play anybody you want anywhere in the rest of your lineup. So I don't know that I'm going to do it, but I'm going to mess around with it, okay? Um so there's a bunch of ways we could just... Because when you look at this offense, there's going to be a lot of offensive production in there somehow, folks. They're playing Washington. So I don't know how much money I'm going to invest in this, but I'm definitely going to be playing around with some some game stacks and some player blocks uh, with, with the Dolphins and the Giants and with the Eagles and the Redskins. I, darn it. I said it. Sorry. Um, I don't like saying their team name because I think it's sort of nasty. Anyway, um, the other guy in this game, Adrian Peterson, I think is worth looking at in this game. I think uh, CT 
Thompson is worth looking at in this game. I don't think I'm going there, but certainly they're in play. Uh, the guy I like in this game is McLaurin because he's going to be matched up against those those Philadelphia corners that are just okay. Uh, you obviously are going to have to throw to win this game. The whole second half could be downfield shots to a 5,300-unit McLaurin. I'm interested in that. I, I don't know how much of them I'm going to have, but I'm interested. Um, anything else you want to talk about in this game? I think the Eagles are 3,400 units. I think their defense is in play. Um, that's about it. Uh, and Boston Scott at the price floor. Also, another way you could conceivably get involved in this game if you didn't want to get involved with... Well, you know what you could do? You could do like an Ertz... Boston Scott stack. Now look, that's gutsy because for all we know, Boston Scott gets like three touches this week, right? Because, you know, Sanders got a little dinged, then Scott got in, he got a little hot, so they rode the hot hand. Maybe they go back to their prized rookie this week. I don't know what Peterson's thinking, but I know what my eyes saw. And my eyes saw Boston Scott is running the football better between the tackles than the rookie. And guess what? It's not close. So... You know, I'm looking at a team that really needs to win. So in a GPP, I think taking a, you know, a chance or two, if you've got the money, if you've got you know, the disposition to throw some money to the wind on the off chance that it hits, I think Scott is one of those dark throws. You know, he's worth it, but you have, to be able to, you have to be of the mindset, of the inclination, of the disposition to take that kind of chance. Okay, let's move down to uh, Seattle and Carolina, and this is an important game. And, you know, I say it's important because I just think it's a game that we need to understand because I think the game flow here is, you know, it, I want to say it's like about as predictable as game flow gets in that uh, Seattle wants to run. They only have one running back really right now because I don't think they're going to turn C.J. Procise into a pounding back, you know, out of necessity when they've got a lead dog who loves to carry the football and who loves volume. Uh, Procise is a guy to watch going forward. You know, because Penny's out for the year, and Procise is an extremely talented player, but I don't see him fitting into this game on a short no, on short notice. Like, why would you not just hammer Carson, right? So to me, Carson's the play is an easy call. Seventy five hundred units against a team that is just hemorrhaging, freaking big plays to running back. So um, Carson's an easy play. Now, am I going to put him in every lineup? No, because we've talked about this many times. He's not a pass catching back. So. You know, he's similar. He's like a low-rent version of the Derrick Henry play or a, or a Nick Chubb play. There's, you know, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs we're about to talk about. You, you know, you don't want to base your whole week on this guy going off because Carson could have a really strong game and not be good for us. He could run for, you know, he could, you know, uh, 105 yards on 20 carries. That's a good game. Like, no one's going no to be complaining that Carson didn't play well. But for us, it's going to be, you know, way, way underperforming. So, you know, what we're, you know, so what, why are we buying Carson in the first place is, is a good question after what I just said. The reason, obviously, is that, look, Vegas has the Seahawks as a six-point road favorite, okay? They're very likely to be able to run the ball a ton in this game, and let's not kid ourselves, they're going to come out running. So they're going to come out running, and they're probably going to finish running, and pretty much Carson's going to be doing all of it. So it's just, from a volume perspective, we like that. So he's got a really good shot at hitting that 100-yard bonus. That's good. But more, And look, he will catch some passes. It's not like he's going to catch none. Well, he might catch none, but you know he'll generally catch a pass here or there. And 
this is a game where the touchdowns could really be flowing, okay? Uh, and it's not going to be a game where they're looking to, to do a bunch of deception down on the goal line. They're going to be ahead. They're, this is going to be a game to get Chris Carson off. And by the way, they need to. This is a player they need to get a lot of confidence in his head because they no longer have the luxury of pulling this guy if he fumbles. You know, they were developing Penny as a, hey, if Carson loses it, we go to Penny. Well, they can't afford to have Chris Carson lose it now. So they need to do anything they can do to get this guy rolling. And I think they will. And I think he's going to crush in this game. Now, why don't we go with 100% exposure? Because of the risk factors we talked about. But to me, I'm more than willing to, to use some Chris Carson. I think he's cash viable. And I think some GPP exposure has merit. You know, I, I think that the odds of him scoring two touchdowns in this game are like 50-50. If he doesn't score a touchdown, I'll be surprised. I mean, that, that's it, you know. Um, and I'm an old-school player, and I'm willing to forecast touchdowns. I know some people don't want to do it. I, I respect their reasons for not doing it. But sometimes it's like, hey, this is a, this is a touchdown smash spot. Doesn't mean we're going to get them. But you have to know it when it's there. I mean, look, we, we said the same thing about Sony Michelle many times this year. It's like, wow, Patriots going to score a lot of points here. This could be, a, you know, this is a day you want to get some Michelle exposure. Same thing here, okay? Um, now, here's where things get a little weird. Because, <laughs> look, Carson's easy. I'm not really on Russ this week because I think it could be a ground-based thing and he's expensive. So I'm really not on Russ. But that said, you never know when Wilson's just going to throw a bunch of touchdowns. You know, it could happen. It could all happen in the first half. Nobody is going to play Tyler Lockett this week. And that includes me, for the most part. But... I would be silly if I didn't at least mention that Lockett is now apparently 100%, no longer has the flu, no longer dealing with that leg bruise that like cut off circulation in the hospital. All that, that stuff's in the rearview mirror. So now we have a pretty solid slot matchup. Now he's ex so and an expensive guy that nobody's going to play. So if you're one of these people who likes to play GPP for all the marbles, if you're looking for a roster construction that is original, that has a ton of ceiling, you know, Tyler Lockett might be a way to go. Again, I'm probably not going to use any Lockett because I don't make a ton of lineups and I don't have a ton of money to just throw it, you know, my whims. But if I did, this is a whim I might chase. Um, and by the way, probably even a better idea would be DK Metcalf. I mean, gosh, his initials are DK for crying out loud. Um, and he's at 6,100. So we save 800. Uh, we have a guy who's a pure deep threat against a team uh, that doesn't really handle much of anything well right now. But the, the problem with DK, the reason I'm not on DK, is because he can get Bradbury a lot. I don't think Lockett gets Bradbury at all. So that's something to think about there. Uh, Bradbury's their cornerback who's been shutting you know, a fair amount of uh, alpha receivers down this year. Uh, Hollister at tight end is in play. Not sure how much of them I'm really going to use. Um, and then on the other side, look, McCaffrey, it's just a question of whether I can fit him in. Uh, absolutely looking to play McCaffrey everywhere this week. Uh, you know, the amount that I actually end up with is just going to, it's going to have a lot to do with where lineup construction takes me. Uh, DJ Moore, 6,600, feels a little light. Um, feels like they'll be chasing here. Feels like they'll be throwing. Uh, so I like DJ Moore. Uh, I think Curtis Samuel similarly has a good matchup here. You can destroy Seattle downfield. Um, so this may be a week they fire up Samuel, give him a couple downfield look, looks. If one of them hits, you win. Uh, so I think Curtis Samuel in a GPP makes sense. But I think maybe the best play on the Carolina side of the ball is Ian Thomas again. Uh, he's priced up $600 more this week um, because... 
you know, DK wasn't asleep at the switch. Um, but uh, Olsen's out. So Ian Thomas is a real strong tight end play. He may be my most popular tight end play this week. I'm going to be torn between saving money with Thomas and paying up to Ertz. That's probably going to be my big push-pull this week. Um, that's pretty much it on this game. I think both defenses are in play. I'm more into paying down for Carolina at 2500 um, but, you know, I, you know, Seattle on the road, 37. I think there's better ways to spend that money on defense. Um, but let's move down to the next game, which is a game I'm not loving, but there are some pieces in this game that I like, uh, and that's Jacksonville at the Raiders. Now, obviously, Jacksonville is sort of a, you know, they're drawing dead or whatever, the, you know, a dead stick, whatever you want to call it. They're about to go through major organizational changes this offseason because they should. Uh, hopefully that... Moves us into an era of offense down there. Uh, but, you know, Fournette is still getting the volume. He's still in play. He is a good play at 7,600 units. Unlike Carson, he fits the paradigm on DK because he's getting a lot of targets. Uh, I think uh, Fournette exposure makes plenty of sense this week. Um, and then I really think all of the receivers are in play. Um, D.D. Westbrook's going to be a number one receiver against a team that doesn't handle slot receivers or really any receivers. Um, so at 4,600, he is a great play. Uh, but Chris Conley at a hundred, at a thousand dollars less, he could be a better play. And then Keelan Cole with 3K should be pretty much a full-time player with Shark out. So messing around with these Jacksonville receivers is definitely something that I'm going to consider. I, the reason I'm not going to be heavy into it is because this game looks really slow. Thorman thinks it's slow. I think it's slow. These are deliberate teams. Gruden takes his time. Uh, you know, these are you know there are going to be a lot of completed passes in this game, a lot of runs. Uh, so it's not a game I'm looking to just get heavily involved in. But there's a lot of pieces. All of those Jacksonville pieces are legit. And then on the other side with Renfro out again, Waller's in play at 5,500. And as long as he is starting. I like Josh Jacobs at 7K in this game. I will have some exposure. Um, because, look, let's not forget about what's going on here. The Raiders, if they play Jacobs, it's for a reason. It's because they want to win this game. It's their last game in Oakland, right? So, you know, let's, you know, narratives are stupid sometimes, but, you know, narratives are smart sometimes, right? Because Oakland is sort of a narrative-y kind of team. They like telling stories. They, you know, Gruden loves that shit. So, you know, I am, you know, definitely looking at this game and looking at it from that perspective of this is going to be the last time that the Oakland Raiders, um, you know, play in Oakland. They're going to be at Chargers and at Broncos after this. Uh, I think they're going to want to go out on a high note. Um, so if Jacobs is ready, I, I'm, I'm more than willing to use him. Um, and I don't think the Raiders are going to you know, sit on it in this game. I think they're going to want to give their fans, a, you know, a little bit of a show. Um, we'll find out if I'm wrong on that. But I am not scared to play Jacobs this week. Now, again, I've already talked about a lot of running backs that we like. So am I going 50% Jacobs exposure? No, no, no. It's probably going to be more like 20. But I, but I want some exposure. I guess that's sort of the point I'm trying to make. Uh, next game is another game that we really need to get into. It's an important game. Uh, and that's the Browns uh, at the Cardinals. And, you know, I have sort of a very specific way I'm approaching this game. Maybe that's the wrong word. But I, basically, I'm fading the Cardinals in total. I, I really, there's nothing I believe in on their side of the ball. I don't particularly like the matchups for their receivers. 
Uh, I'm a little bit concerned that Kyler isn't a hundred percent. You know, there's just I just don't really love anything over there all that much. You know, look, if you want to play Kyler at 5,600 units, I can't say that's a dumb thing to do. I just wouldn't do it in cash. Okay, I'm not doing. I'm not on him this week. I love Kyler. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's the Browns. Okay, um, and the reasons are obvious. I mean, nobody in the entire NFL is giving up more yards in Arizona. Nobody. They're the worst. Or the best, however you want to look at it. And oh, there are only two teams in the league giving up more points. Um, teams playing um, the Browns, and uh, shout out to JM to win. I found this um, on his site. But uh, opponents playing the Browns have run the most plays in the league this year. Now, obviously, that's not surprising. It's something we've been talking about week to week. But it's good information, right? I mean, it's something we want to focus on here. The Browns are about to get a lot of plays. Now, why does this happen, right? Team, I mean... Arizona stinks. They're not sustaining drives, and teams are sustaining drives against them, and they're playing fast. So what do we get? We get a lot of plays for the teams who play them, okay? Um, so this is a great matchup for the Browns, particularly in the pass game. Now, will the Browns play this like a typical game, or will they try to get their passing game heated up? I think a little bit of both. I think you're looking at a half to two-thirds of a game where Mayfield is just going to roast these guys. Even though Mayfield's not playing great, you know, Arizona's not going to get to him. He's not going to be under pressure in this game. It's going to be very different. As bad as the Browns are and as much as we like to kill them, and I've spent some time killing them myself, the one thing we do need to remember, they have played a brutal schedule. They really have. And they put their team together in such a way that that brutal schedule hit them exceptionally hard, harder than it needed to, because they couldn't protect their quarterback's backside or frontside. So the, the the problematic, you know, the the tough secondaries they faced meant that they needed even more time to throw, and they had less. They also gave up. I mean, if anybody has watched the Browns this week, you know Mayfield is getting moved off the spot constantly. Okay, so this is a game where that stuff's not going to happen. Okay, they're going to be open receivers. There's going to be time to throw. You know, this is a chance for the Browns to get it going. There's a couple teams this week where I think that's going to be the case. So I want to do some stacks in this game. I'm not going to get too involved in this game in my other lineups. You know, hunting the pack here and there. But for the most part, what I'm going to do, I'm probably going to take three or four GPP teams in the slant, somewhere like that, and I'm going to put together some things that I like in this game. And I'm going to focus on Odell Beckham and Njoku probably more than the other stuff. This is a spot where they can get Beckham off. I think they're going to try to do it. If it doesn't happen, it's probably because Njoku is crushing the flowchart matchup. Now, is Njoku risky? Oh, yeah. Is Beckham risky? Yeah, I'm not doing this in cash. But I'm going to build some GPP lineups to take advantage of this situation. And if it hits, I'm, I'm hoping I can go vertical with my score. Um, so, you know, Mayfield's a consideration. Um, but more than Mayfield, I'm probably just going to have a fair amount of Odell Beckham and Njoku in different lineups. Um, and, and then I may, like I said, I may do some stacks of this game. And then... You know, I don't know. Maybe I'll consider some Kyler, but probably they're going to be Mayfield stacks. Um, the, the 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 problem with Mayfield is that 6,400 number. Um, but definitely want to get involved in this game. And now I'm starting to contradict myself. Maybe what I'm going to do is pick some spots to use in Joku and Beckham. Um, you know, Hunt. You know, I think Hunt's going to be lightly used in this game. I think he's better in tougher matchups. Uh, Chubb certainly has a chance to go off in this game, um, you know. But you know, it's funny. Arizona's been so bad against the pass; the teams haven't run on them that much. 
Um, but Chubb, you know, the thing is Chubb's role is only running, and they seem fairly committed to it. So this could be a game where the paradigm shifts, where we do see somebody put up a lot of rushing yards on the on the uh, Cardinals, uh, simply because the game script and the way they use Chubb, it's just the way it's going to happen. Um, so, you know, I'll talk more about this game tomorrow morning, and I'll let you guys know what I ended up doing with it. Um, but probably what I'm looking at are, you know, a couple Mayfield stacks, maybe a Kyler stack, and then where I see a fit, uh, I'm going to use some Odell Beckham. And, and the reason I'm liking Beckham over Landry here is, A, I save some money, but I also just think the route structure in this game is going to work for Beckham, which is rare. It's been the opposite most of the year. I see it flipping in this game a little bit. Uh, and, and again, there's too much to like on this slate where I'm going to be going overboard on this game. But I definitely I, I want to be involved in Beckham because I think this could be the week he goes nuts. And basically the same thing for Njoku. Um, um, let's get into Rams at Cowboys. This is one of the games I like on the slate. Uh, I want to get Robert Woods in lineups this week. I want to get Higby in lineups this week. Gurley at 6K with his volume uh, against the Dallas defense I think is very much in play this week. Uh, I expect significant north of 20% exposure on all three of those players. Uh, not really interested in playing any other Rams. Uh, I do expect a lot more cup this week, uh, but not really looking to pay up for that. Um, I don't love his matchup that much. Um, and Woods has just been doing really well. Uh, he's been running good routes. They've been using him in, in ways that I like. Um, on the Dallas side, I am absolutely not afraid to use Zeke. I'm not afraid to use Dak. I got into why uh, on the podcast with Hackett yesterday. But I think all the people worried about Dak, uh, do they realize he's thrown the football like 98 times in the last two weeks? The volume is there. So, you know, even when Dak struggles, they allow him to attack the defense. Remember, Dallas protects. So Dak, if Dak Prescott wants to throw the ball, he gets to throw the ball. Even against a team like the Rams that can really get after your quarterback, he's going to be able to throw the football. Because that, we've talked about the Dallas offensive line a million times. You know why. Um, so I'm fine with uh, some Dak. I'm fine with some Zeke. Uh, I think Gallup is the play at receiver because you save money and he's healthier and he should get the better matchup. I assume Ramsey is going to be on Amari. Um so, you know, I think a Dak Gallup stack is interesting. I think a Dak Zeke stack is interesting. I think naked Dak is interesting. Uh, now, am I going to have a lot of it? No, I'm going to have a couple Dak lineups. That's it, because there's a lot of quarterback stuff I want to get involved in this week. Um, but this game as a whole, I think I like. I like the pace. Uh, I like Zeke at 78. I think I'm going to have probably more exposure than most people to Zeke Elliott this week. Um just a lot of stuff to like in this game. And again, the pace should be good in this game. It should be good. Thorman likes it. I like it as well. Um, you know, the one thing I'm sort of fading here is Road Goff. I'm not a big fan of playing Road Goff. Um, so if I'm stacking this game, it'll be with Dak, not with Goff. Um, two more games left. And I know, folks, I know we've been here a while. My apologies. And believe me, my voice is killing me. I've gone through an entire double mug of throat coat during this podcast. That was the last sip right there. Um, next game up is uh, Minnesota at Chargers. Huge potential for a slow game here. Thorman doesn't like it. I don't like it. Um, Vegas likes the Vikings on the road. I like that. I think they should be able to control this game. Although, no guarantees. You never know what Rivers and the Chargers are going to do. Uh, that's important to understand. Like For all we know... 
you know, the Chargers come out and pull a 49ers on the Vikings here, and this game ends up doing things we didn't expect. But I'm going to go with what it looks like going in. It looks slow. Um, I think Minnesota could control this game a little bit. They're not going to be able to throw a whole lot because um, the Chargers obviously have an outstanding secondary. Uh, Dalvin's what I like in this game. Uh, now, Thursday I mentioned, you know, Dalvin 89, not really on him. Well, since then we found out Madison's not going to play. So I feel a whole lot better about Dalvin's floor in this game. I think it's a run-to-win game for Minnesota. Minnesota loves that. Uh, so I definitely want some GPP exposure uh, to Calvin, uh, to Dalvin, excuse me, even at that elevated number. Uh, on the other side, not really loving the running backs for the Chargers. I do think uh, Hunter Henry at 5,200 makes sense, um, plenty of sense. Uh, and I think it, Mike Williams' exposure at 4,600 units. The only thing I don't like about that is the slow pace of the game. But I think some Williams' exposure at 46 makes a lot of sense. Okay. Last game on the docket, and it's a game we need to get into, is Falcons at the 49ers. Um, starting things off, I think the 49er defense at 3,800 units is in play, but it's a big payup for a defense that's missing some pieces. Obviously, they are uh, lost a couple guys in their front seven. D Ford's not going to play this week. Um, having said that, per Silva, Matt Ryan, he's been sacked 16 times over the last three games. Uh, I expect that trend to continue. I really... Not really looking to fire up any Falcons here. Don't want to touch Freeman in this matchup. I know San Francisco gives up some yardage to running backs, but Freeman's dinged up. I don't trust any of the Falcons' backs. I really don't like the Falcons' offense as a whole. Um, Hooper's in play here, but, man, I mean, you don't save enough cash for me to get into that. I haven't seen enough out of him yet since he's come back from the injury. The only thing on the Atlanta side I'm interested in, and I am interested, is a $7,000 Julio Jones. Now, that's a discount because you're going against a good team, but the team's got missing pass rushing pieces. They've got missing secondary pieces. The Falcons no longer have Sanu. They no longer have Calvin Ridley. So uh, Julio Jones, you know, unless something's really, really wrong in this football game, is going to just be getting peppered with targets. So I think GPP, maybe even cash exposure to Julio Jones makes some sense this week. But that's it for me on the Atlanta side of the ball. Now, moving over to the other side, there's a lot of stuff to like, but the problem is there's a lot of stuff to like, right? We talk about thin target distribution you know, channels. We like that. We like teams where they throw to two and three players. Um, this is a team where they're going to be throwing to at least three players, maybe four, um, and they're going to be running a lot. So the ball's going to be going to a lot of different places. Um, you know, all the touchdowns could go to Debo. They could, you know, they could go to Breida for all we know. Obviously, Mostert is the most valuable back. There's no doubt about that. Shanahan said it this week. I have no problem with it. He has played the best of all their backs this year. He's outplayed Coleman, like, I mean, just by a ton. I, I mean, why Coleman got so much run, I'll never know, based on the way he played. He was pulled two weeks too late. Now, some of it had to do with injuries, I guess. But personally, I'd have gone to Jeff Wilson, but that's just me. Um, Mostert's played great. Here's the thing that we need to understand, and I think it's important. Respect the Shanahan usage that we've seen over the last couple of years. He's using three and sometimes even four running backs. I don't know that that's going to change. So when he says Mostert's given us no choice, I don't think that means that suddenly they're going to use a bell cow formula. Okay, I think what it means is that Mostert is now in the role that Coleman 
had, the one we thought Coleman was going to have. He's got that role now. So I do think he's going to get the bulk of the goal line work. I do think he's going to get about 50% of the juice. But him moving into, you know, an alpha back role, we may get alpha stats if he just hits the nuts. But he's going to have to do it on the kind of work we've seen for a typical lead back. If he gets more than 15 touches, I would be surprised. Okay? Um, now, the good news on that is, I guess on the Breida side, I think Breida clearly has run better than Coleman. Uh, I think we're looking at like a, you know, a 50, 40, 10 kind of thing. Um, you know, where Mostert gets about 50, Breida gets about 40, Coleman still gets a little bit of a taste here and there. But the important thing to remember is that Mostert, unless something changes, is going to be the guy who has the goal line. Okay? So Mostert's the play. But at 5,200... You know, I could see some places where I might use him for floor, uh, but I don't know how much upside he's got at that number unless he just happens to hit. Like, everybody else fails and he hits. Um, the one guy on this team where I would trust to use him is Kittle. The problem is, this week, I'd rather save 200 bucks and play Ertz. So, you know, Manny Sanders, if he is just crushing, he could demand usage. You know, I he's ranked as a wide receiver one because I think he'll be good this week. But remember, the threshold for a good game in DFS is very different than the threshold for a good game in seasonal. And my lineup rankings are for seasonal. Okay, don't forget that. Okay, so I like Sanders. I just don't know how much I want to pay for him in GPPs. A little bit of exposure, maybe a little bit of Debo exposure at 58 because Debo does have that big play upside. Like, Debo Samuel could hit multiple 50-plus yard scores in the same game just because they set the plays up, right? But but the reality is, I think most of the San Francisco plays, they're going to have good games, but they're thin for what we're looking for on, on DraftKings. Will one of them hit? Yeah, but, you know, my guess is as good as yours in terms of which guy. Um, and we're looking to, you know, this is a week where we've got a lot of plays we like. Why are we going for thin plays that, you know, aren't as good? You know, that's sort of where I'm at with this game. Um, you know, 49er defense could do well here. Don't think I want to pay up for it. Uh, and that's pretty much it for the slate. Now, I say it as if that's all we got, but that was an hour and 10 minutes of stuff. So I apologize for those of you who are still listening. God bless you. <laughs> um, but hopefully all that stuff was useful. So what I'm going to do now is get into the lineup rankings. I'm going to wrap them up. Hopefully I'll have them up sometime after dinner. Uh, and then I'll spend the rest of my evening hours doing lineup construction. And I'll have something to share with you guys tomorrow morning when we do the abbreviated part two DFS podcast, whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, but that's going to be it uh, for the week. 15 Rotobon DFS podcast. It's a big week. I know, like 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 me, you guys have some really high-intensity seasonal games this week. The one thing I want to say is, obviously, put in all the effort you can on your lineups. Gather information. Get information. But don't spend time pondering. Pondering leads to tilt. It leads to thinking long and thinking wrong and paralysis by analysis and all those cliches. Do your legwork. Put some thought into these decisions, but then go with what your gut says. Inform your gut and then listen to it, okay? If you're on tilt and you cannot think clearly, that's what the Rotobon lineup rankings are for, and that's what Twitter is for. Hit me up. Hit up Jim Hackett. Hit up another expert that you trust. Hit up a couple. Average their opinions. Do what you need to do, but make good, solid decisions. You made it this far. We'd hate to just 
go with a bunch of tilty lineup decisions and lose because of that. So assess where you're at. Um, I mean, I personally, I mean, I'm doing fine with DFS, but when I look, when I start staring at my six seasonal teams that are all, you know, win or go home this week, I start feeling it too. So it's a really good time to get second opinions. It's a really good time to be more informed than tilty, right? Err on the side of gathering information, not staring at your choice. That's the best advice I have for right now. So onward and upward, good luck to everybody. It's week 15, it's good stuff. Uh, we love this stuff, this is why we play. So go out, go for it, get it. Let's win some games. Let's make some freaking bowl games, right? Giddy up. No happiness. Oh, super fast.